You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. We had a prayer meeting a couple of Wednesdays ago, and um, that stirred me to think about prayer, and it came to me that I should speak about the Lord's Prayer. That's come up? Yes, it has. The Lord's Prayer. Actually, it wasn't a prayer that the Lord Jesus actually prayed, as far as, as we know, because certainly um, he had no sins to uh, be forgiven, but it was a prayer that he taught his disciples. Um, in Luke's Gospel, uh, there was an occasion when his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, but in Matthew's Gospel, it was in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he called his disciples to him. And then he began to teach them. So this was part of that wonderful sermon in Matthew's Gospel. And uh, if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to learn to pray. Prayer could be very simple. In North Korea, some of the people who are really suffering, uh, they have one prayer, help Lord. But there's so much we need to learn about prayer because prayer, which is talking to God, is, is difficult. And so we need to learn. So Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. So he taught his disciples. And uh, now, I wonder if you know, anyone tell me what that is? The shard. A shard, it's not completed in that photograph. It's completed now, of course. But you see, there's a framework that supports the shard. It's, uh, it, it's a very important, that framework that holds on all the cladding and everything else. And uh, in other countries, too, they have frameworks for building. That's in Rwanda. Um, have got, yes, that's Rwanda. The scaffolding looks a bit dodgy there. Um, but nonetheless, they, too, have a framework for building. And uh, that's very important. And the, the Lord's Prayer is like a framework for our prayers. So let's read it. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So let's look at the framework. And the first piece of the framework is God's person. Our Father in heaven, the one to whom we pray. It's very important to know who we're speaking to. So what do we know about our Father in heaven? In the preceding verses, Jesus shows us, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Our Father in heaven knows our motives. If our motive in praying is just to impress other people or even impress ourselves, then we have our reward in full. People may be impressed. We may be impressed, but that's it. James says in his letter, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. 
that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So our motive in praying and for what we're asking is very important when we approach God in, in prayer. And then he goes on. I've lost, how do I get it back? Sorry. Thank you very much, Holly. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He is unseen, but he sees us when we pray to him and will reward us accordingly. Now, there are occasions when God appears to people in visions. There are other occasions when people hear his audible voice, but as far as I understand, that's quite rare. It's never happened to me. So we're praying to someone we can't see and we can't hear audibly normally. So prayer is difficult. But Jesus assures us that God sees us and will reward us. So we can and we must be confident of this fact as, fact, as long as we follow his instructions in prayer. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to believe, please God, because whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must come to God with faith expectancy. Another problem with prayer is, is we don't know God's timing. God hears our prayers. He might answer them at this moment, but it might be in 20 years because he knows the best time to answer. And that makes prayer a struggle for us, doesn't it? Because we're in a, we live in a generation, especially, that we want everything now. But God knows the right time. God assures us that God will reward us when we come to him with right motives and in trusting him. And when you pray, do, go in, sorry, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's also a great comfort, isn't it? Our Father knows exactly what we need. I have to confess I have a struggle preparing sermons. And uh, I thought, I, don't, I just don't know how this is going to work out. Lord, help. Please help me. I'm, I'm struggling here. And I trust that he has faithfully answered that prayer. He is not impressed by our many words because he knows what we need. It's our heart attitude that matters. Our heart attitude. He's looking at our hearts. But a question, is he your father in heaven? Is he your father in heaven? In Colossians chapter 1, 12 and 13, Paul reminds the believers in a prayer for them, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That marvellous truth encourages because um, none of us are qualified in ourselves to come into God's presence. But it's something God has done for those who trust in him because of what Jesus has done. 
because of the cross, which we celebrate here today, because of the forgiveness of sins that has been completely paid for those who trust in him. It's something amazing and wonderful. It's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If I gave one of you my mobile phone and asked you to phone my wife, um, I don't think you could do it. Why do you think that is? If I just gave you the phone now, pardon? You can't get into it, no. There's a pin code that only my wife and I know. Uh-huh. And if you don't know God as your father, there's no connection. However, you could use this to phone 999. And the wonderful truth of the gospel is that when we are lost and helpless and recognize our great need of the Lord, we can call upon him to save us. And that's a call that we'll get through. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a glorious promise. And it's gloriously true, otherwise none of us would be here. That's a glorious connection. And if you've truly called on him, that promise. This gentleman, um, I've not met his wife, but we met his, this gentleman a few years ago in London. He's a New Zealander. He was uh, stung five times by a box jellyfish. You might have heard his story. His name's Ian McCormick. His friends, after diving, in diving, he was stung. He was got to, uh, they, his friends dropped him onto the beach, and there he lay. He tried to call a taxi driver. The, driver. the taxi driver took him on board, but when he found he had no money, he chucked him out. And it was only through God's great kindness that he managed to reach the hospital. He was a complete unbeliever. He lived for everything this life affords, but his mother was a Christian. And she said to him, Ian, if you're in trouble, you must pray. There he was in the ambulance, um, dying in a dreadful state. He saw a vision of his mother. He'd never prayed. What did he pray? He remembered the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He said, well, I've not done anything wrong. But then he remembered the taxi drivers who had thrown him out. I'm not going to forgive them. But it was impressed upon his spirit. And then he got to the place where it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, well, it's never been about God's will. It's always about my will. And under this prayer brought him to a place of conviction of sin. And he came to a place of repentance. He died when he reached the hospital. But after, I believe it was quarter of an hour, he came back to life. It's a long story. Completely changed. But you see, God used the Lord's Prayer as a way of bringing him to faith in the Lord Jesus. So the prayer, the, so we'll go to a, the next uh, piece of the framework. I'm sorry I spent a lot of time on the first bit, but uh, the next bit is... God's praise. They're all P's, by the way. God's person. God's praise. Hallowed be your name. God na God's name stands for all that he is. There's a song uh, we sometimes sing. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. 
glorify your name in all in all the earth. God's name is so special. The the Jews wouldn't even speak his name. They recognized what a holy and awesome person he is. But our prayer, if we love the Lord, is that everything in our lives will bring honor to him. We're asking when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're asking that in our own lives, our attitudes, our words and actions will cause others to praise God. In 1 Peter 2.12 we read, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We want our lives to speak powerfully. And sadly, many people have been stumbled by Christians who hallowed the Lord's name in the way they live. Anyone know who that is? Eric Little, correct, Eric Little. Eric Little, uh, who won the gold medal for the 400 meters in, I believe it was the 1924 Olympics in Paris, I think that's right. And you might remember the story, Eric was a, was a Christian, um, he died as a, a missionary, he became a missionary, um, but he was a great runner. Um, when he was on the way to Paris, he heard that the heat for the 100 meters for which he'd been entered was on a Sunday and he refused to run because he didn't believe it was right to run on a Sunday. He believed it dishonored God. Of course, we all have different views about that, but that was Eric's conviction and uh, he wouldn't be dissuaded. But amazingly, they managed to change his race to the 400 meters and as a result, uh, we won at least two gold medals because the 100 meters was run, won by a man called Harold Abrahams. So um, Eric um, honored God. He was given a text just before the race, those who honor me, I will honor. That's an amazing illustration, isn't it, of honoring the Lord's name. May our lives constantly bring honor to his wonderful name. That's what we pray for. Another part of the building structure. We pray for God's purposes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God has already come in Jesus, but is not yet come in its full glory until Christ returns. And we enter the kingdom through the new birth as we submit to Jesus as the rightful king of our lives. Our new desire is that God's will should be accomplished in our lives, in the church, and in the world. That's me. <laughs> Many years ago, I was a, a supposed civil engineer who saved the construction industry a lot of trouble by leaving it. Um, <clears throat> when I was a civil engineer, it was my first job, and uh, I was a new Christian, and everyone else in the office was moving on to get better jobs here and there. And I thought, hmm, I need to do that. I shouldn't be stuck in this place. And so I applied for another job. Thankfully, I had a Christian friend called Michael. And uh, one lunchtime, we were chatting together, and I told him my intentions. And he said, have you prayed about it? Is it God's will? And I said, prayed about it? I, I had no understanding that I needed to seek God's will, particularly for ma major decisions in life. And uh, 
the wind was taken out of my sails. And when I went to the interview, I really had nothing to say. So I didn't get the job. But you see, as a Christian, when we follow Jesus, our whole agenda is God first. What do you want, Lord? It's no longer my will, but your will in my life. Our Lord Jesus himself in Gethsemane, in that great struggle before the cross, cried out, not my will, but yours be done. Because God's will is always the best, no matter how difficult it may be. We mess up our lives when we make our own plans without consulting him. And we should pray every day, Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. May more people come to Christ through me and across the world in Brixham. It's great, you know, when you pray for the suffering church because you get a worldwide view of what God is doing in wonderful ways. It's so encouraging. But that's all part of praying, thy kingdom come. What should we pray? Well, the scriptures are full of prayers that we can use so that we know we're praying in the will of God. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just it was with, as with you. The message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured. Isn't that what we want here? Isn't that what we long for? Longing to see people coming to Christ in this town and across our nation and across the world more and more. That's what we're longing for. And we must also pray for Christ's return. I realized this morning, um, I hardly ever pray for, God, for Christ to come back. The early church constantly prayed, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Those people who are suffering for Christ are crying out, Lord come, come. We speed his kingdom by living godly lives and praying for his return. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next part of the framework, God's provision. God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. This request covers all our needs and recognizes our complete dependence on God as our sustainer and provider. Every moment of every day is a gift from God. If you were to put your fingers, your wrist about there, you would feel something. You'd feel the blood pulsating through your arteries or veins, whichever it is. You know you're alive. That's a gift. Every moment of every day, the very fact that we're here is that we're here at God's permission. Food and clothing. Everything that God provides, we should pray for and thank God for. Never take anything for granted. Be thankful for God's provision. And maybe some of us are praying for God's provision, and that's absolutely right. Maybe you've had an un unexpected financial crisis in your life. Well, pray. Lord, I need help. I need provision. This is urgent. God has promised if we put his kingdom first, he will provide what we need in our I think those children in Rwanda uh, often call out for prayer for food. I'm sure they often, um, they recognize God as a provider. We noticed in Rwanda that when the children were given food, they ate the whole lot. And remember, 
Our greatest need is our spiritual need. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that God speaks. We need food daily, spiritual food. We need to spend time with God every day. We need that for his direction, for his strength, for his encouragement. We need to speak to him in prayer. We need to come to the Lord's table regularly to remember what he's done for us. We need to be strengthened by spiritual bread, by the Lord himself. God's pardon. Something else we all desperately need. Debts really mean sins, don't they? Because a sin is like something we, we owe to God. It's like a, we're building up an account almost. Thank God that Jesus has wiped the account clear and clean for every believer. But we need daily and hourly and momentary cleansing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who forgive us, uh, who sin against us. And then that solemn challenge, if you, <coughs> if you forgive me, sorry, you'll have, <coughs> sorry, if you forgive men when they sing against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, if we really understand the, the forgiveness of God, it makes a huge difference when he calls us to forgive others. The lady on the right is a very dear friend of ours. She had a horrendous childhood, lots of abuse, lived in an orphanage, uh, then was abused by her dad. He'd put her there because he didn't want to look after her. And uh, she became a very broken alcoholic. And in God's mercy, she was reached and came to know Jesus. And she was told, you must forgive those who've hurt you. She said, how can I forgive these people? What they did to me. How can I forgive them? But the Lord impressed upon it, upon her. And she said, recognized, I have to make that choice. It's a choice. She made that choice to forgive those who had abused her, her father and so on. She didn't feel any different. She still felt, felt angry. But then a few months later, she suddenly realized, I don't hate these people. God had taken away the pain and the hurt. The lady on the left was once her worst enemy. Maggie was the cook in our drop-in center. We had a drop-in lunch, and one day, Gillian and another lady came in, and uh, Maggie had said, I never want to meet Gillian because she beat me up last time. But what did Maggie do? She embraced her. They became firm friends. And when Gillian died um, a few years ago, who was her closest friend was Maggie. That's the power of God's forgiveness. Finally, God's protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We read in Colossians that text about God bringing us, Father bringing us out of darkness into God's glorious, um, into the... Um, <clears throat> rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And though he has done that, the battle rages on. Before I became a Christian, I never believed in the devil. But the moment I became a Christian, I knew he was real. It's a warfare. We've been thinking a lot about the whole armor of God, haven't we? 
And if we're to live the Christian life, we have to put on the armour of God every day. Satan is actively seeking to bring us down. But always remember, the one who is in you is greater than the one, that's Satan, who is in the world. When as Paul says, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. So that's the framework. God's person, God's praise, God's purposes, God's provision, God's pardon and God's protection. Uh, that's the framework of, that the Lord's Prayer gives us for our prayers. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us such amazing teaching. You know just what we need to strengthen our relationship with you, Father. Thank you for it all. Please help us in this area. Make us strong, firm and steadfast. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.